Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Autosport Podcast. And just like that, the F1 teams have shown us their 2024 challenges. Well, that might be a bit of a stretch as... Really, we won't see the true cars until pre-season testing. However, that doesn't mean that we won't have anything to talk about. And I know just the people to chat to. And I'm Bryn Lucas and joining me today is what our producer called Autosport F1's Three Musketeers. Alex Kalanorkas, Matt Q and Jake Boxallleg, a.k.a. JBL. Well, welcome, guys. How are you doing? The Three Musketeers. How are you? Which musketeer am I? I don't, I don't know I've them. Never, I've never read the uh, seminal literature by Alexandre Dumas, so I've got no idea which one is which. But Do they link in with the man I'm in the I'm Iron the... Mask? I was listening to an excellent podcast about that the other day. Yeah. We've already gone off, on a, gone off a massive, massive tangent. All I can think of is Dog Tanyon, because I don't, I don't know anything about the three musketeers. Well, there's, def- there's definitely <laughs> so... three of us. Let's put it that. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> so, in, so I should just basically redo that intro and just say welcome to my three random guests, JBL, Alex and Matt. How are you, gents? Pretty good, thank you. Um, launch season's over. I don't have to write lengthy features now uh, <laughs> until the rest of the season where I do. But um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been interesting to see uh, what, what's been going on uh, with all the teams and what they want us to see with their cars. Um, we'll see the full things in Bahrain. Yeah, it's been a been a been a long launch season. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty pretty much sums it up, JBL. It's uh, it's obviously our busiest time of year. Uh, until we get to December, when it's also the busiest time of year. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the overwhelming sort of takeaway is that I think it's just a bit bit of excitement until we, you know, get to qualifying in Bahrain and it turns out that what on earth the Red Bull has done with its sort of Mercedes-like changes has put it five seconds a lap clear. But right now, I mean, the the what? Yeah, the, the the reality of what we saw last season hits home. But I'm you know considering that Red Bull could have just shown off an RB19 with a couple of stickers moved around. I'm I'm more excited than I was expecting to be heading into heading into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think because it's a bit more of a, a a step change than we're expecting. Is there that potential that Red Bull may have, you know, got it wrong or certainly because it's such a big change in that first sort of three, four, five races, they'll take a bit of time getting used to the car and, and be slightly more gettable because of that. You know, the optimism from the McLaren camp, the fact that it's such a big departure for Mercedes, like it's, you know, on paper, it's so unrealistic that they'll go straight after Red Bull. But because it is such a change, can they rectify their problems and, you know, reestablish themselves as a powerhouse? Uh, I probably won't include Ferrari and Aston Martin in that for, for reasons we'll get onto later. But, you know, it's it's uh, that sort of... Um, it's almost absence makes the heart grow fonder, isn't it? We've forgotten how dominant Red Bull were last season. We've forgotten how we felt at this stage last year, and then Red Bull came out and creamed everyone. So, uh, so, uh, but we're excited at this point of the year, anyway. So that's good. That's good. Well, look, you guys have done this for quite some time. Quite a lot of different launches have happened. As you approach January, the middle of January, do you feel that tingle of excitement when the launch dates start to, you know, arrive on the calendar, JBL? Um, I think I'd kind of liken it to 
in a way, it's a little bit like Christmas with launch season. You know, you're finally unwrapping all of these cars, but equally at the same time, you're only seeing what, again, what they want you to see. Um, but equally, yeah, it's pretty exciting because you kind of have in your head what each team ended 2023 with. And so you kind of are trying to anticipate the trends and go into 2024 and go, oh, what's everybody going to do? Who's going to innovate? Who isn't? Um, and I think as well, but especially with the idea of convergence and teams closing in on each other with a pretty static rule set, you're kind of thinking, oh, who's going to make the big jump this year? Because yes, uh, last year we had McLaren and Aston Martin close the gap massively. So you're like, oh, is someone else from the sort of pack behind going to do that as well? So yeah, I think there is that excitement for sure. Um, obviously, uh, I'm hoping that we don't end up getting to like Miami or something and our hopes and dreams have been shattered, but yeah uh, i'm looking forward to it because you know history has said convergence is a good thing um and even though red bull has dominated this rule set so far there's you know if someone else makes a massive step and jumps over them then things can change massively so i'm optimistic alex and matt you two both went to physically went to a couple of launches and i remember i was talking to you matt at the the sauber launch and alex was over your shoulder at one point making an appearance there too so what's it like for you both going to the the actual launches yeah it was it's uh they were they were good fun obviously um i'm still not quite sure why we were doing that from london's guild hall uh it was so incongruous an f1 car to be in such a sort of an historic building you know and doing press conferences in the dungeon where oliver cromwell used to keep his horses uh, i think i know why i think it's because the Guildhall markets itself as a oh, we're a big event space come and sit in our amazing medieval building so i, I suspect i suspect <laughs> they they probably approached an agency who told the team i mean i i, I don't know but sorry i, I feel like my as opposed in... to the perfect synergies <laughs> as someone in a cyber marketing department might say i feel like my role car, on this podcast you? is just to live relentlessly in in the real world um I, I don't know like approaching launch season yeah i am excited there is still that child inside of me but we just like we've got memories of how good red bull were last year it's like oh we yeah this should be better but it probably won't be because we just know how formula one works so yeah it's a it's an interesting time of year let's put it that way and then there was the big one over in vegas that i think john noble described to me as it was the best launch that nobody saw. It was just a bit weird that nobody was really there because it happened, you know, through the night for us, guys. I mean, Matt, did you get across it at all? Uh, not really. It was, uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty shambolic, personally. I get, first and foremost, that F1 doesn't revolve around the UK, but European, and it's obviously trying to target growth in America, but European hardcore fans are the biggest the biggest element of F1's audience. So probably launching it when they're all fast asleep is fine. But from our side in the media, the timing the timing was bad. The communication was bad. There was like absolutely no resource. There wasn't a Q&A with Laurent Mekis, Peter Bayer, whatever. So very like poor on information. Then the images went up early. You know, the, the team haven't even assigned themselves email addresses by the looks of it because the name is complex. You know, it used to be at, you know, communication person surname at alphatori.com now there's none of that so it, that was all a bit messy okay i hope the thousand guests in las vegas had a great time but that was kendrick lamar performing on las vegas boulevard and there was an f1 car launch about it and it didn't make a splash and then you've got visa and cash app and hugo boss as these blue tube sponsors and and yeah it barely made a mark i thought that was a massive opportunity missed for three big corporations that will want return on their investment for having their stickers on an f1 car I'm, I'm astonished that they got a thousand people to that event in Las Vegas in Super Bowl week because that was happening at the end of that week. I mean, I kind of see the logic of, yeah, this is the sort of the greatest, biggest show. Well, according to America in the world, but obviously we know it's not because there are there are much more watched things than the Super Bowl uh, when you take everything else into account. Um, but yeah, it, it I, I so yeah, so I can kind of see the logic there. But yeah, it just it, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a strange one. And it does sum up sort of the big theme for us because I don't know like I guess for a lot of the listeners we're approaching it from more of a sort of you know how we view it as a, as a through our jobs through the media but there was not a lot of information forthcoming definitely from VCarb and from a lot of the teams actually that seemed to be a theme going on through the year that 
you know, it's, it's, access seems to be even less than there ever was. It's, it's up to the teams. It's, it's as they want. They can do exactly what they like. But like, it's more interesting when the teams are, are even a little bit more open. Now, of course, that can come back to bite them. I think there's a very good reason, or two very good reasons, why Mercedes weren't doing any media, like other than sort of own in-house media, um, uh, for their launch. One, obviously, they didn't want all the questions being about Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. But two... I think if you look back on what they were saying at the start of 2022 and 2023, I think the, the comments came back to bite them, really, that especially in 2022, when it was oh, Lewis Hamilton saying you haven't seen nothing yet, basically, like you thought 2021 was good, 2022 is going to be even better than it was a complete disaster. So there is some logic from the team's point of view, but it definitely felt like there was a, a concerted effort by more of them than ever not to say anything, which is fine. They can do that. But we know from our point of view, it makes things a lot more uh, interesting. And, and, and I assume that extends to the fans as well. People want to know what's been going on over the winter. They want to know what the thoughts ahead are. So, yeah, maybe maybe that could be something uh, next year the teams could could think about uh, think about going back to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And also, there's not much of an excuse. Alex and I were sort of joking at the, the Red Bull launch. But, like, none of this sits within the budget cap this is all marketing and PR exercise these glossy launches and wherever they are so it's not as if renting a guild pool is a healthy chunk out of your you know front wing allowance or whatever so there's no excuse F1 if you're pragmatic F1 will not be more popular than it is at the moment if Red Bull continue to dominate Drive to Survive's had its moment where people were stuck indoors during lockdowns glued to Hamilton versus Verstappen we don't have a title grudge match anymore it's had its peak of popularity so I think it's a no-brainer that you absolutely like plow headfirst into that and exploit it while you can with glitzy, disruptive things as as irritating, you know, sort of again, marketing people might say. So you, you double down on that rather than than drop a press release. I get like McLaren dropped a press release because, you know, low-key launch, they did their livery reveal already. Andrea Stella is, you know, fantastically pragmatic, probably doesn't want the distraction and to as Alex has alluded to with Mercedes, you know, set expectations up here only for them to for the crash back down. But I, I thought, yeah, it was a pretty lackluster launch season apart from well, Red Bull Red Bull was a was a solid ending to it. But yeah, some again, sorry to wind back to RB, but a couple of complaints I further have is that they are associated Red Bull like a marketing colossus, you know, at the Red Bull thing, we're launch we're watching BMXs, BMX riders on half pipes, you know, tethered to hot air balloons and canyon divers and whatever, because the marketing stunts are phenomenal and they completely dropped the ball there and launched a new era, a new identity, a new chapter for this team and all its new sponsors with a throwback livery. I, yeah, I thought that was particularly egregious this year. Just I know you mentioned the very the very start of that point, but about noses, I think one of my favourite moments of launch season was someone as incredibly intelligent and brilliant as Dan Fallows talking about the front nose on the Aston Martin. I thought that was just it really tickled me. Obligatory mention of the rear nose. Through all this, JBL, you've sat there very quietly just stroking your beard. I mean, what have you got? I'm sure you've got something to say about these launches. Oh, it's more the you know. I let let the rest of the guys go and have uh, fun at the launches. Um, I, I quite like to look at what the teams have, have done with with the, the launch spec cars. We know that they're not showing us everything. Um, and I think, you know, commenters on the internet think, oh, we're taking it at face value and that kind of thing. It's not true. We're just, you know, analyzing what, what they show us. Um, and it has been interesting to see certain trends throughout the the kind of development of the 2024 cars and then the cars that followed those trends last season going for something completely different so from a technical standpoint at least you know again the teams are only showing us what they want to to show us and in Bahrain they'll have something up their sleeve um no doubt you know because Red Bull has been openly shown it's RB20 in the most secretive way possible um there are certain things that have just been you know obfuscated so that we can't see you know the the side pod inlets for example various things like that so teams are sort of being very there's a lot of misdirection in this um you know i'm surprised nobody's hired uh pen and teller for their launch show such as the misdirection uh on offer so yeah it's, it's it's been interesting um i think watching some of the launches um it's weird because we kind of want, we go, oh, we want these big glitzy launches. Yeah, everybody talks about the the 1997 McLaren Spice Girls launch. 
And then there was that period of time when nobody wanted to spend money on it and they were just shoving cars out of the garage. We were like, oh no, bring back those glitzy launches. We have them now. We're just like, just show the car. Jesus Christ, come on, stop pontificating. So I, I think I think we'll always uh, be a little bit over expectant of what we get this season, uh, over a launch season. V-Car are in the right place for, uh, for Penn and Teller, at least. You just nicked my line, Sorry. Alex. I was going to say, come on, that was the Vegas bit. It's got to be. I actually saw Penn and Teller. This is some completely off piste. I saw Penn and Teller and Hammersmith last year. Oh, I thought was, um, I thought one of them was dead. No, no, they were both. Well, unless it was the best you, bit of misdirection I've ever seen. Say. I mean, they, they were certainly they were certainly both there on the stage. I mean, the one who doesn't talk uh, doesn't talk still wasn't talking. But you know, it was it was it was all right. It was an all right show. So maybe they'd have to step up to Darren Brown or something. <laughs> That'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Darren Brown car launch. Anyway, let's move on, shall we, to the cars themselves because we've been yakking about these launches and we haven't really talked about the cars. Uh, first question, I'm going to go straight to you on this one, um, Matt, if you don't mind. How much carbon is too much carbon? <laughs> uh, you, there is too much carbon. Alpine's probably the worst offender of that, isn't it? Like Aston Martin have been pretty good because if you look sort of top down they've got reams of this stuff all exposed carbon fiber weave everywhere but as you see it side on or where the tv cameras are it's been quite cutely placed in like the gullies and recesses and well hidden so that's good um but i think i was having this conversation with our colleague johnny noble at the red bull launch yesterday as we film it and that alpine i i with all the exposed carbon fiber i think that's a 200 mile an hour billboard to everyone that they're again lost like technically because they have had to go to such extreme measures to cut on the weight you know we can see that everyone else has started to sort of lacquer up again you know mercedes with the silver red bull aren't doing as far as we can tell from that launch car they are not doing the trick where you know most of it's that dark matte purple but then they have a few blotches here and there because they're just bringing it down other teams seem to be on top of it the stake sauber f1 car when we see it in proper sunlight we'll be able to tell what's actually painted and what's exposed carbon fiber a bit like the black market last year so alpine was the most offensive it's a poor livery anyway but i actually think that screams despite them being more modest and saying we have learned it's a new car concept i think that screams to me that they're still struggling to to get with the weight but yeah we need we need a splash of color a splash of differentiation so so i i i find it a bit like I, 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 Formula One cars are prototypes, so you, you should be able to see the components, think that they're on the ragged edge, and a bit of carbon fibre weave is fine with that. But they're also, they're also, you know, moving billboards when you've got enough, you know, um, sort of offence being taken at the V carb name and the stake Sauber kick, whatever it is, Alpine get it right, and then uh, and then and then lose it all with a sort of. Um, an, uh, uh, an incoherent livery so I, yeah I think a bit of a mixed opportunity and if you want to attract all the blue chip sponsors you want to stand out on stage but if uh, you know BWT and that pink livery are only getting sort of 50% of body work then, then they're losing out as well so yeah not not great yeah I, th I think you've hit the nail on the head on a, on a few things like um, there just seems to be a bit of an edge running through this launch season like people frustrated with the Sauber name with the V-carb name oh aren't we supposed to call it RB this is the thing we don't even know what we're supposed to call it like it's it's, it's, ridi it's ridiculous do. but well yeah yeah it's 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 silly it's, it's, it's very frustrating but I think um, just going back to the carbon fibre thing I think Alpine really did themselves absolutely no favours by not reading the room and putting out that stupid meme thing where they just pointed to various bits of carbon fiber and tried to make it all cutesy i thought that was that was really stupid because it it's, it's not even a livery it's just a car with some splashes of paint on it and i have to say although the the sauber one looks more interesting because it's green that's exactly what it is as well it's a i think you you and i said it at the launch it's like a like a video game basic livery that you can create yourself it's not particularly sophisticated it just sort of it stands out because it's different really um and yeah and i think i think you know on that topic i i really i really want the FIA to regulate this. I know it's. I know ultimately you don't want more rules, but I think it's an. It's such an easy win. It's it, it, what 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 other cliche can I use? It's low hanging fruit. It's just it makes it more interesting if the cars don't all look like bare carbon fiber. It's it's just not that difficult. Um, you know, JBL, you hit it right. Like the Red Bull's got a livery on it. Ferrari's got a livery on it. Um, Aston Martin's got a livery on it. 
and 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 again, it, it, the, the the second week of launches, the one that was just ending now, sort of saved it in terms of the livery stakes. Uh, and Mercedes is a bit of a different case because uh, because uh, obviously you know that they were already running a black livery, but they've I think they made it nicer by putting the silver back on. So um, so yeah yeah, I, I'd like to see something done to avoid it in the future. And but also like coloured carbon fiber exists. I used to work um, for a company that did uh, like PR and comms for this company called Hypetex. And like, it wasn't a very big thing. It was more for, for road cars. I think they had a deal with, with Land Rover at one point. But it does exist. I mean, I, I, presumably it looks terrible or it weighs slightly too much. That's why the F1 teams haven't gone around it. But it's not new technology, but it, it is possible to do that. Yeah, I think, well, because uh, I'd written a, a plus column for this during week one of launches just because we were just getting carbon livery, carbon livery, carbon livery. And it was like, is this going to end? Because we'd had, I think, what we'd had Haas, we'd had the the McLaren livery launch, we'd had the the Sauber, um, and we'd had the Alpine, and the Alpine was just the one that pushed me over the edge, like to a degree at least, because we kind of had, we kind of expected this from Haas. We kind of expected Sauber to be, you know, it, it's historically gone with sort of like black slash grey liveries in the nineties and in the sort of like mid two thousands. So um, sorry, mid twenty ten. So I was kind of expecting it from them from Alpine where you've got a you know you've got a defined clear and defined brand of this sort of um metallic blue that's been in use uh throughout its racing efforts for 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 decades to turn around and just come up with something so bland it just felt like a little bit of an affront so yeah it's been a lot nicer this second week of launches to actually have a little bit of color on the grid um has some teams actually sort of putting some effort in Ferrari looks good. Mercedes looks very good this year. Um, there's still bare carbon on it, but it's just, it, it's a little bit, it's just nicer. Uh, it's, it's sort of like a blend of old and new. Um, so yeah, I think teams have sort of elevated this uh, in the second week, but I'm just hoping that some teams can shed a little bit of weight so that we can get some paint back on the car. And if the FIA mandated, a, I don't know, 60% of something of all uh, visible faces on the car, must be painted then that's a, a pretty good way around it, i think I, I don't think we're overdoing it either when it comes to the livery chat because like basically like why do so many people like ferrari because it's, it's the red cars they saw when they were younger like okay that's not that's not deep dive statistical analysis for you but it's true it's one of the big reasons why they're so popular so like come on teams if you if you honestly why do i care about alpine what like it's like Haas getting rid of Gunther Steiner. Why do I care about them? If you're not going to put any effort into making your car look interesting, I'm, I don't care. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, Ferrari has to be red, and if you're the Silver Arrows, surely you need to have some silver somewhere on the car, Matt. Yeah, I I, I agree. I've sort of already always said my piece on it, but it makes a car look unfinished. So I gripe I I have is sort of when you see white racing cars okay you have martini stripes but it's un it's unfinished if it's white there's other colors go pick them it stands out much better and and it's the same with f1 with carbon fiber at the minute and again i wonder i wonder what you know alpine again to come back to the thing that made it almost worse is the fact that they had a fully painted really like aesthetically pleasing world endurance car next to it so the f1 car looked particularly poor because that's you, you see that with the regulations there, balance of performance, you can equalise the weight. You see that's what a livery designer would do if they had sort of a, a clean sheet of paper and then you'd have something very similar on the F1 car. So there's like a, a relationship between the two. They look vaguely related. And then someone's basically gone over it with that eraser tool in paint to bring it bring it back down to, to the weight limit. And I actually wonder what the sponsors think because obviously BWT, you know, that bright, bright pink and that they've had through the, the, you know, since they were first linking up with Force India and then Racing Point. And then at least they had the special uh, liveries in in their sort of early relationship with Alpine and, and, you know, last year, last year as well. Although I think from my understanding, there was a bit of a mess up there and, and they were, BWT were sort of oversold on the number of livery changes they had. Where you go from blue to pink, back to blue, that counts as like two livery changes rather than one. So I think BWT were anticipating a few more races than they got last year. But when you have that colour that that is their brand and you're paying for that, you know, sponsorship deal, which is not a title sponsorship deal because no one refers to them as BWT Alpine, and then you're losing loads of like pink real estate, 
and the same same for other 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 sponsors as well and other teams i think you feel a bit short changed but as alex says you know british racing green that's something aston martin's lent into the red of ferrari the mercedes silver arrow it's it's all coming away and and it is your chance to differentiate yourself a little bit more. So I just, I just think it, yeah, it looks a bit, looks a bit naff. It looks like basically someone's not finished their homework on time. I, I like a white car, by the way, and, and white shoes. But you know, I'm probably just a terrible person. What high heels is that, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's the logical, logical comeback. It's there. The letters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, looking at the team names, and I don't want to bang on too much about the team names, but it's a bit of a commentator's nightmare. I mean, the RB thing, definitely. Well, we we don't know what to call it. We've, we've called it two different things in the well, podcast already. Well, I just think what happens when Daniel Ricciardo goes toe-to-toe with Valtteri Bottas and, you know, the Visa Cash App RB takes the Stake F1 team kick Sauber on the inside of turn three. You know, it's, how, how's the commentator ever going to get all that out before the end of the race? But, but also, you know, oh, the Visa's on fire. I mean, like, it sounds nonsensical. And also, if you're Visa, you don't want your product on fire. It's just so dumb. Well, I have, to, I have to admit to not knowing until I saw, like, one of their billboards with Ricardo and Sonoda speaking in front of it, the Visa and Cash App are different things. Like, I, maybe that makes me look out, out to look... Maybe that makes me out to look at a bit of an idiot for not realising, but they're different, they're different. I thought that was, like, Visa trying to market a specific thing. It's such a mess. I kept calling it the Visa card app on when I was trying to do the recording. The amount of times I had to retake because I kept going the Visa card app because every time I think of Visa, I think of the card that's in my wallet and I really struggled. It's a bit of a problem. I'm yeah. sure we'll get over it. And obviously, you know, Formula One and the FIA ultimately have, you know, some steer on these entry lists. Formula One in particular with the naming rights. And even their own website, their, their comms refer to it as RB only, which sort of undermines that whole thing. But, okay, we have some idea, and I'm sure our listeners do, because we're sort of dyed-in-the-wall F1 fans, but I bet you a casual viewer thinks that RB stands for Red Bull, not Racing Bulls, when they try to do the similar Racing Point thing where, you know, on logos and headed paper, it's sort of a, a blank canvas to do what you like. But again, where's the communication? And who thought of it? And why did three or four levels of management then sign off without someone going, actually, this is a terrible idea? <laughs> Well, presumably because they're big, they're getting a lot of money in return. <laughs> money, but yeah. again, but as I was, what I was going to come on to the flip side of all of this, right, is that um, every now and then I'm, I'm I'm walking through Broccoli in South London, and there's a particular news agent that's got a moneygram sign above the above the door. I would I would have totally not even registered mm-hmm. it before whenever that came in the end of 2022 with Haas, right? Like, it, it, Formula One still does have... Okay, okay fine, it's, it's, it's my area of work. It's, it's obviously going to come home to me maybe a little bit more than other people, but it demonstrates that it does still have value for companies getting in and wanting to put their name out there. Although, I mean... No, if, Alex if, if you don't, shops if you don't, that if you, shop sponsored if, by MoneyGram. <laughs> if you don't know what a visa is by now, though, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what hope is that? I'm, I'm just going with the... Um... Yeah, uh, quite a sort of old team um, on the entry lists back in the day. Brabham always used to appear as motor racing developments. Nobody called them that. Everyone just called them Brabham. And if you look at the chassis name for for, for RB, it says RB. I'm calling them RB. No, no visa contactless stuff. I tell you what, it's done. It's ruined um, my notes. Every time I write down RB for Red Bull, I confuse myself. Clearly an idiot. Oh, Clearly an idiot. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Did they not think about the notes and shorthand? Come on, like... Just be lowercase no R. No one ever thinks just about the notes. lowercase R. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, actually? The RB thing happens in football as well because RB Leipzig, they the RB is owned by Red Bull, but the RB doesn't stand for Red Bull. It stands for something else. So when Rasen RB Salzburg... Sport. That's right. So when maybe RB Salzburg what, play, Maybe that's what they, RB stands for. That's probably what it is, you know. And it also <laughs> means that when they play in the Champions League, if they play in the Champions League, they can keep the RB name, whereas Salzburg can't because that's that's Red Bull so they have to change their shirt and they're just called Salzburg so there's loopholes all over the place aren't there and we know what Red Bull are like they're very 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 good as a company at exploiting certain loopholes when it comes to their sporting exploits in a very very positive way Matt well I was just going to say maybe this is a game plan all along to come up with such a catastrophically awful team name that you spend 10 minutes talking about it on a podcast to give all their uh, all their sponsors a bit of mileage so maybe oh, we've this been is had. a game plan and they're ahead of us <laughs> Well, they've just caught us, haven't they, RB? They've managed to catch us by the particulars there. Now, let's move on to the cars themselves because we haven't actually really talked about what we've learned from the cars. So uh, let's kick things off, JBL. Anything that surprised you? Anything that stood out in particular? Or are most of them just reincarnations of their 2023 cars? Well, I think we were expecting uh, teams to be 
you know indulging in a little bit of subterfuge and a little bit of uh, hiding stuff and they did we, we've sort of discussed that but i think you know uh, there were a lot of things that i wasn't necessarily expecting i was expecting certain trends and i think you know i wrote a couple of magazine pieces in the season review and look ahead um expecting that we'd kind of see a lot of red bull influenced cars and, and sure we have but I was also expecting Red Bull to kind of move the game on with their own concepts. So for them yesterday with the RB20, I think obviously a little bit of recency bias here, but that does spring to mind just because A, they were so, uh, you know, careful not to show certain parts of the car. They didn't want to show the floor. Even in their launch renders, we don't really know what the side pull inlets look like. They were, you know, doing their absolute level best to hide that we i think we've got a general idea of what the car looks like and there's a lot of things there that were seen previously on the mercedes w14 so again it seems like they found a potentially found a way to to get it to work so that was certainly a surprise of launch season um i think mclaren as as, as q and alex already said kept it sort of very very low key with their launch and when asked why um McLaren was was so at liberty to hide stuff. Lado Norris had just said, because we can. We don't want to give away performance at this stage, you know, um, because, you know, teams are going to be quickly, rapidly prototyping parts that they might see and might like and with a view to sticking it on their own car. So that's why there's so much sort of cloak and dagger at this time of year. Um, teams can put things in CAD programs, 3D print stuff or mock things up very, very quickly. Um so yeah it's part of the launch season as i say this is why teams only show you what they want to show you because they don't want other teams to kind of get a march on them try and get the the advantage um it's a hugely interesting time of year because you kind of have to read between the lines a little bit um that's kind of the fun of it i suppose yeah um, on that i mean like I mean, how is it for, for what for generations teams have employed photographers deliberately just to take you know spy shots or or, or focus you know specific tech shots of rival cars so they can they can copy things like it's nothing's new about this in formula one but i think like it, it it's i think it's particularly frustrating when it comes to the putting like potentially fake items on cars like the floor thing absolutely fine because honestly if you're just looking at a picture of the car ahead of t season testing who cares i mean it's the most important aerodynamic piece of the piece of the car and jbl and 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 um, tech writers out there and, and things like that it's i'm sure it's 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 irritating not to be able to see it but that 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 to me that to me is fine there's a couple of things i do it's part of me just worries a little bit that red bull are just absolutely pulling a fast one and that the, the car is going to look nothing like that when it's when it hits the track in in bahrain testing but i think probably the reason why is because sauber last year put out that fake serrated floor edge. They and they admitted it later. It was just, oh, we was having a bit of fun. And probably people might think I'm being too high and mighty and a bit sort of, you know, sanctimonious about it. But I just thought that was I thought that was pretty despicable, to be honest. Like everyone's excited at this time of year. Everyone wants to see new cars. Everyone wants to see new ideas. And to just have a laugh with people, I just thought that's not that's not very nice, to be honest. Like it just it's sort of treating, you know, the people that really love Formula One, the people that buy Autosport, the people that listen to the Autosport podcast, the people that want to know the details of every new car. I just thought that was really disingenuous uh, from from Sauber, and and I was glad to hear them say at the at the launch that Matt and I were at that uh, you know everything we were seeing while it wasn't necessarily the exact specifications they'd be running and testing. There was nothing like that had been faked because I don't know that that it's just sort of I just think it's why treat ultimately your customers, the people that love you, why treat treat them so badly. And potentially not the team of the 10 to be cocky about their design and aero exactly. concepts, only for them to tool around at the back of the grid. Wow. Excellent. We just, we just lit the, uh, the, the, the touch paper there. We just, the visa just caught fire. No, no, something just happened. I don't know what it was. But now the, the launches themselves, I mean, where do you think these launches rate in the whole history of, of Formula One launches? I thought the Sauber one was pretty good to start with. It was like, even if it was... Uh, a mismatch venue what a venue you know the fact that Alex and I were stood there underneath some you know beautiful sort of masonry you know sort of rubbing shoulders with Aguero to to get close and and whatever what, what yeah what a what a venue and and that sort of uh 
the clash between you know all the all the like dim lights sort of trying to obscure the the architecture and then the the green laser lights bouncing off everything i thought it was really well done you know the the fact that they'd sort of commissioned special medieval look-alike portraits of bottas and 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 joe i thought it was really well thought through um and and sort of like i said earlier and as, as jbl joe we all referred to we have had such a sort of fallow period of launches you know the turbocharger it's just right roll them out in front of the garage in the first air bar so i know and then and then and then crack on so I'm I'm pleased, sort of reveling in this in this um, sort of s- small chapter where we get some good launches. Red Bull again, I thought was as as well done. Sort of their their look at the, me as a as a marketing company. Look at our 20 years in F1, our success and and the backdrop, the venue, that sort of like you know the the in, the vogue, in vogue sort of semi-industrial looking setup with a you know Red Bull painted Humvee and whatever. I thought it was really well done. Um, I sort of get, I sort of get both sides of it that it's really underwhelming when Ferrari do a one-minute video, but I guess you get straight to the point. And I also get, you know, Red Bull was Red Bulls was drawn out. The production was sort of a good half an hour long, but because they are trying to celebrate their history and and give some recognition to some partners and some people along the way, I sort of get both sides of it because if you, you know, if you're doing viewer retention rate, if you whip the covers off the Red Bull. And then go to interviews. I bet the readership and the engagement just sort of cliff dives, as I'm sure Red Bull will appreciate that. Cliff dives, uh, uh, nose dives. So uh, there's no perfect recipe, but I think the fact that some teams did make an effort should be celebrated. And also, also like the Alpine launch in itself wasn't wasn't too bad because they've gone. We did the big distracting thing with Zinedine Zidane and Nicola Adams and everything in Printworks in London last year. And, you know, we gave a really convincing tech talk and then we're absolutely nowhere and don't we look foolish. So I think Alpine judged their tone right by doing a much lower key thing and introducing their other motorsport, you know, launch with with the wet car. So I thought that that wasn't too bad. But yeah, I suppose, you know, McLaren just dropping a press release and then images with a couple of different floors then doesn't really hit the note. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. The sort of question is, oh, is these launches better or or worse or whatever than they have been in the past? It's sort of a bit. It's sort of a bit redundant. I mean, JBL mentioned the the famous McLaren Spice Girls one. I'm fairly sure that happened before Q was born. So how can we how can we properly uh, uh, com- compare and contrast? But you know, I, I, the, the one thing I will say is that anyone who complains about a live stream where they talk for half an hour and then reveal the car, I mean, just just what are you doing with your lives like it's 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 some it's a company trying to do its own thing let them do it like just because you want to see one thing you'll see it eventually like have a tiny bit of patience and a bit of perspective um but yeah just some just some funny sort of takeaways from launch season like um just what everything always leaks and there's always something ridiculous going on like a company as amazing at marketing as red bull is we were there, Matt, and like they were arranging chairs around Christian Horner and things like that. And it was all like nobody knew where to go, what was going to happen. It was all just a bit delightfully chaotic. And also, the, the the images leaked online. It turned out you could download them from Red Bull's own image site, like easily. Like what on earth was going on there? I think we're never going to get back to that kind of nineties excess of you know. That, that that I guess that Spice Girls launch, uh, you know, the, the the whole launch cars in ridiculous locations. I think there was one year in two thousand and one where Benetton launched its car on a on a gondola in Venice. Um, that which is a, a terrible car, but it was an interesting launch. I was think... it 08 where McLaren built theirs as their launch? They actually built their oh, F1 car, didn't they? God, yeah, they did. Uh, twenty eleven, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to get back to that level of excess because, you know, COVID happened. People have realized, oh, I've probably spent their money on better stuff. Um, and, I, you know, when I was still covering Formula E, I went to a couple of their launches and they were throwing quite a bit of money at it. Um, you know, there was a Jaguar launch that was very glitzy in London. There was a, a, a Nissan launch in, in Madrid where they were, you know, flying out journalists and stuff like that and um, really going for it. So it's interesting to see those teams in a smaller budget championship going for hell for leather with the launches and Formula One teams being relatively circumspect with how they do it. Um, but uh, I think I think the best way around it, the best of both worlds, is to have launched the car itself in a really interesting way. 
not just have like i'm not a massive fan of the whole spiel for 30 minutes and then launch the car equally i think punting the car out and just go there's the car done right that's uh on to bahrain i think that's equally a little bit dull i think just you know do the launch or launching the car itself in an interesting way then you have your media stuff i think that's the best way around it i don't know like launch a car into space or something like you know crack on you got the money can we all agree that the way to not do it though is what Ferrari did last night as we record, which is put out a uh, a promo sort of little clip of their um of the the 2024 car doing a practice pit stop, and they uploaded the wrong clip, so the front left is slow by like two seconds. <laughs> I mean, well, no, right. no, presumably, presumably they just filmed every Ferrari pit stop that happened and went <laughs> that wrong. Was the best one. That, that, that's exactly what Ferrari we does. We did 50 right? takes, and that was the best one. <laughs> well, listen, before we move on to to Bahrain tell me with the launches and I'll start with you uh, Alex on this tell me what you want what you really really oh, want I can't nah, believe that. I'm sorry I'm good, sorry but good. go on <laughs> what would you like to see we're keeping that in tell me what you want tell me what you really really want come on yeah no yeah fair enough um, can I can I tell you what I don't want rather than what I really want because I was you're, ne- you're never going to please you're never going to please everyone and I, and I do get it if you're just sort of you know if you if you're a Formula One fan and you just want to you know Red Bull say they're launching their car at eight you you get your phone out because you want to see it there and then you have to sit through half an hour I do understand that that's frustrating right wasn't trying to sort of minimise that but um, what I don't want is I don't want a big event say i don't know central london central new york whatever where all the teams gather and they all reveal their cars one by one for the simple reason that it will what kill our websites like <laughs> that's the sorry to, again to, to 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 bring the realities of our jobs into this but i don't want a centralized here's everything happening at once because you know that it, it, it would make it very practical it would potentially uh uh, make other things easier it would it would it would it may, it may work for a lot of fans i don't know but from our point of view that that would be a disastrous idea and must not happen which almost certainly means it will i don't think i don't think it will i think it i think it behooves f1 to you know be at these launches and its broadcast partners as well and for everything to just be in one day and just go right there's all the cards right we'll see you in two weeks for borrowing i think that would probably hurt them as well and, and who it, would pay for it as well like f1's not going to pay for something if it doesn't have to Exactly. I don't think it. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a Las Vegas. Everyone's on an elevator and go. Oh, here's car one oh, or the, some I, kind I, of. I've just said that though. I mean, if 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 Aramco or whoever offered enough money, they'd do it. So that's that's the that's the that's the reality. That that the worry of of the modern times, isn't it? And what about yourself then, Matt? You've been to uh, two launches this year, so presumably you just want to go to more launches where there's lots of nice food and drink. Uh, I'm afraid the, the switch to dairy free has left me quite limited in my options. So uh, the the food sort of passes me by these days. Uh, I thought Ferraris was quite good last year. They're sort of nothing, nothing, hear the engine and it flies out the garage. That's really good. We obviously now know with the benefit of hindsight that signs in Leclerc's radio messages were either uh, like scripted or dubbed over because we know that from their first laps in a shakedown at Fiorano they actually didn't really like it at all and this car feels much better but saying wow isn't it brilliant but I thought that was like a really bold generally like risky launch because there's a car you know there's a chance the car breaks down or Leclerc bins it in a gravel I thought that was like really really bold and it spoke of a confidence that they definitely shouldn't have had as it turned out but I I really like that I thought that was a, a good take on it but I suppose that relies on that relies on Silverstone selling, you know, the national circuit to McLaren, the international circuit to Mercedes, putting Aston Martin on the Stowe circuit or whatever to have. Not everyone has their own private racetrack. But um, I like that. I thought that was that was a good take on it. Now, next week, testing kicks off in Bahrain. JBL, I hear you're heading out there. What are we looking to or hoping to see come testing? Three days is all they've got. Three days, uh, but then a Grand Prix the following weekend so it's gonna be a busy few days i'm first of all we're gonna actually see the real williams because that hasn't been launched yet they did a livery launch oh in... yeah i forgot about them <laughs> we forgot about that didn't we? <laughs> in, allegedly allegedly a livery launch in new york but that studio honestly could have been anywhere um they did have something in the puma store on a show car but the, you know they were very very uh you know, again 
a lot of su- subterfuge is the wrong word, but being uh, being very, very it's sneaky. It's a nice word, with, though. It's a good word. It is a nice word. I like uh, Being very, very sneaky with not showing their car. So maybe Williams is going to turn up with something ridiculous. So we'll see that. We'll see what the Red Bull RB20 actually is and whether it persists with its interesting side pod solution or, as the speculation goes, whether they turn up with a zero pod and surprise everybody. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see the... Um, We'll see a lot more from McLaren as well. Um, I think all the teams realistically, maybe except Haas, um, are going to turn up with something a little bit different um, and are going to move on their cars from launch spec. Um, and Bahrain, as as well, you know, I've done a few pre-season tests in my time. It is long days of a lot of laps and a lot of that day we'll be doing media sessions and stuff like that because it'll be the first time all year we've had to talk to some of the drivers other parts of it will be feeding our brethren on the desks, doing Autosport Live with tidbits of information, witty repartee and things like that. So it's going to be, I, I'm looking forward to it actually, it's going to be pretty hectic three days, but it should be quite fun. Well, we're all we're all going uh, with you, JBL, but I'm just, delighted I don't have to drive in Bahrain. That's that's Matt's job this year. That's uh, that'll be all the people Fight going chaos the, with chaos. People, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued to see how yeah, your approach is. But yeah, no, no more for me having to deal with people going the wrong way around roundabouts or just randomly driving across the desert. Uh, yeah, that 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 instantly makes my my week of testing a lot less stressful. So that's good. I wasn't aware all three of you were going out. I think in my notes I've just got JBL, you're no, heading it's out J- there. So that's, JBL, that's JBL's nice. being left there. Q and I are coming home after testing. Oh, you lucky devils, both of you are coming home afterwards. I mean, it is, it is quite a frightening place to drive around, isn't it, Bahrain? Yeah, I was, I've seen everything there. You, you, see, you can see it all in about half a day. as the tree of life, which is a tree. And that's about it, really. <laughs> lots of lots of desert, lots of oil wells. Oh, I haven't seen the mosque. Paid, Might go and see paid the mosque for by the, the Bahrain tourist board. I mean, have more things then. Have more things if you want people (laughs) to talk about more things. (laughs) Alonso has been fairly uh, openly critical about three days of testing, hasn't he? I said about, you know, three days of testing is one and a half days each. He's been fairly, you know, open about it. Uh, um, Sergio Perez answered it brilliantly when that was put to him yesterday. Uh, He was like, look, we've got 24 races where, where do you expect them to find the time? That 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 more than anything, I think he probably was doing that typical driver thing of oh, I'm already traveling too much. Blah, blah, blah. I, th- I think it's more just where do they fit it in? Like F1's gone down the route of we'll take all these races because we want all the money, and it, and it comes at the expense of something like a few more days testing in Bahrain or or, or the traditional uh, starter in like Barcelona or a European circuit. Now the, the other reason is that um, well, it's, I, I assume this year it's the same. Aramco pays for the Bahrain test because its branding is all over it. So it's 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 commercial decisions trumping anything, you know, other more sensible reasons. But I, I, I do agree with Perez's point that, like, just where are you going to find the time? Otherwise, you don't have an off-season. And it would also be a tiny, tiny bit out of step, uh, step with the sprint race justification, wouldn't it? Only have one FP1 because then it's jeopardy. The big teams might not get their setup. Yeah, but if they had nine days of testing at Jerez, Barcelona and, Bar- uh, and Bahrain, then they're going to know what to do with their car anyway. I, I do think they should, that's another thing Alonso said, I do think they should be allowed to run 20 cars in testing. Like, J- 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 yeah. like we've all been Formula E correspondents, right? We've all been to Valencia. They do run all the cars. Like, it, it, it would make sense to, to, to do that in Formula 1, I'd say. Formula E testing is a lot more interesting because you get, like, a pretend race. Oh, they do have races, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, they're not real. <laughs> and uh, people end up pitting halfway through. But you do actually, you know, they actually try in their shortened sojourn around the uh valencia ricardo tormo circuit um which actually i quite like as a circuit it's quite nice um that's neither here no setting fire to the bahrain pit lane please (laughs) (laughs) but so presumably guys you're looking at when you go out to bahrain or hoping to see maybe some changes from what you saw on some of these livery and car reveals you're going to see some changes to the front end to to the front nose and maybe even the rear nose yeah, I mean, like I said, I was worried that Red Bull's just conned us all uh, with what they revealed yesterday. But um, yeah, I mean, hey, look, we, yeah, I, I was flippantly joking about um, Williams, but but genuinely, like, 
it's just a, it's a crowded launch season and if you're going to do what Williams did definitely what Haas did you get you get shoved down uh, you get shoved down the, the order in terms of what people particularly care about so you know there is there is jeopardy with just doing the whole like um, uh, livery only thing um, and, and actually some things like Williams I'm, I'm more intrigued by like the future of Alex Albon and things like that than anything particularly the team might have produced simply because what have they shown us recently that's that, that's particularly interesting i mean i mean I, I, I go back again to those sort of aspersions cast about the sophistication of its floor compared to the red bulls halfway through last year that was utterly ridiculous because the pictures showed two different completely things but you know until williams shows us something interesting it's, it's hard to get all that excited about them um but yeah yeah i just um yeah it, it's it's, it's it, the, the thing that frustrates me about testing all the time is that it becomes oh what do you think is going to happen and then it's wait for qualifying and then it'll get to qualifying the Bahrain race. I was no, no, no. This the the, the track surface is is too uh, is too abrasive here. You have got to get to a normal circuit, not Saudi Arabia, obviously, because that ridiculous place is not a normal circuit. Oh, you, Melbourne's an outlier as well. You've got to get a full, you know, you've got to get a full selection of different tracks, and and the things will play out as they normally do. But just, I guess, just the the most interesting thing is has Red Bull. Is it is it an Icarus moment? Is it hubris? Is it we're going to do that thing Mercedes thought they could do, um, and we get and have have they risk? Are they risking it all? The flip side of that is uh, let's 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 uh, hear what Adrian Newey said yesterday when he spoke about the shakedown. The car performed as expected, so i.e. it wasn't breaking its floor because it was suddenly porpoising all the time. Like that to me suggests a team that knows what it's doing and is is supremely confident. It's almost like Newey saying to Mercedes, look, okay, if you wanted to go down this route, here's how you do it and here's how you do it well. Oh, absolutely. We know we know what happened with Mercedes is that they, you know, shift to ground effect, put massive emphasis on the floor. So they thought, let's get as much of the floor, you know, exposed as possible so it can do all the hard work and we'll have this tiny body work. But they obviously simulated it, slammed to the ground in their perfect wind tunnel conditions and perfect wind tunnel conditions don't exist on a real world racing track with lumps and bumps. So for last year, they designed the W14 to sit much higher up, but they found when it sat much higher up, there was a performance ceiling. It couldn't go as fast as it wanted to. So it then sort of found a halfway house where therefore, rather than being in a Goldilocks sweet spot, everything was running in a state of compromise. So maybe if they designed the 2024 car to sit in that, Goldilocks spot and everything to work around it they would have finally got there but I can you know you can see why they abandoned that concept and and Red Bull as I said to you Alex at the Red Bull launch yesterday we see we're privileged to go on the grid F1 races and we see Adrian Newey there with his just with his clipboard making notes about the Williams and the Mercedes well this is what he's doing he's gone you know that moment in a beautiful mind where he just visualizes how it all works that's what he's seeing with the air in a way we can't and he thought yeah that that works and and I, I think, you know, I think I think that's excellent. I think it angers enough people. I think it's entertaining that they've gone down the Mercedes route. Um, obviously, there's still a few bits shrouded in secrecy. We know that McLaren said sent out different floors in the images. Red Bull have deliberately sort of coloured out the side pod inlets, although Alex and I got to see them a little bit at the launch. Uh, the floor, where it was sort of curvaceous Formula 1 floor until he got halfway down the side pod, and then they basically whacked a you know, a massive great steel girder on there. It, it was like a, a, it was like a of slab black. of carbon fibre, wasn't it? It was enormous. Yeah. You know, like, if you ever buy something like delicate and square, it comes with a big polystyrene around it to, like, protect the edges. It was like one of those. So, again, I'm not... When they when they reveal that floor, I'm not going to understand what the airflow is doing necessarily, but it'll be, you know, is that going to look radically different to whatever comes out of Williams, Mercedes? Um I also, I, I want, you know, Ferrari, are they going to get to testing? Leclerc and Sainz have a couple of spins and go, no, our insistence at not revising our suspension has actually turned out to be a catastrophic idea and they're immediately out of contention. So, you know, as as I know this is sort of a subject close to Alex's heart, testing is so frustrating because you don't know. The teams don't give anything away and, and you know, even with the official timing data, you don't know fuel runs, engine modes, tyre life necessarily. It's so hard to work out. But generally, I think over the past few years we've been doing this, when it's a complete disaster, you get a rough idea. So, you know, if, yeah, so so whether there is anything coming out of, out of Ferrari or, or whether Aston Martin has suddenly toned down about their having a flying start. So you immediately think, right, Alonso, I've seen him chatting to Toto Wolff. This is definitely on now for 2025. Just a few things like that, whether they start to slot into place. 
I, I, on the Red Bull thing, I would go as far as saying that Red Bull saved launch season by doing something sort of different, like something unexpected. And it also means the narrative of testing is suddenly like, oh, is it good or is it bad? Like it, it, it's not just, yeah, Red Bull were very, very strong. They didn't do anything until the last, you know, performance runs at the very end of the third day in the night. And then, oh, yeah, we know they're quickest. Uh, it's suddenly like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Like, there, there, there's clues you can pick up all the way through testing. Like, for example, Matt, you and I were out watching that um, double apex left, what is it, turns nine and 10 at Bahrain, and Sergio Perez on the second morning was just off the road every single time or locking up and not hitting either apex. Like, uh, not that he hit the first one on the way in, but you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 they tried to spin it off as, oh, no, no, it, the times are still good. But yeah, he looked so uncomfortable in the car. And what happened in the season? He never got to grips with it, really, other than the sort of the relative high points of uh, of the start of the year. So, yeah, it's it, 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 as I said, I think at a stroke, Red Bull doing that suddenly makes testing and, and obviously the end of launch season more interesting. Now, we are near the end of the podcast, but before we get to it, I'm going to fire some questions to you quickly quick fire answers sort of i'll start with you on this one jbl which teams or which team if you could pick one are you going to be the most surprised about come testing do you think predicting wise and and, and why well good question uh i'm going to say I, I think i'm just gonna say williams um i reckon they'll take another step and maybe somehow push into that sort of group of top five teams um join the battle maybe alex Albon gets a podium this season uh i'm just gonna say that can i go with rb it just puts me in mind of that you know the scene at the end of the first incredibles movie where dash is doing a sports day and they're like speed up speed up no slow down slow down whether they have to sort <laughs> do that effectively because you know there is a chance they could jump from eight to like actually almost do themselves no favors by being particularly competitive and put the scrutiny on that team and but, you know, if they do well, it helps justify their existence. So see where they slot in, you know, although they they the FIA found them to be fully compliant, obviously McLaren have got a massive B in their bonnet. And if, if they're good enough, other teams will suddenly have a huge B in their bonnet about RB. So I think I think that could be an interesting, interesting team. We'll see what see what happens. What about quote of the launch? I know that a couple of you have, have mentioned things that people have said, but quote of the launch either from drivers, from team, or from maybe another journalist to you about things that you've seen or witnessed while you've been, you know, going about your your daily daily jobs, earning your crust, Alex. Uh, I think for now, everything Fernando Alonso wanted to say. Uh, he's scoring better tests now than he was, uh, than he ever has been. So what, were you not training hard enough in your mid-twenties when you're winning your world titles? Uh, the, 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 the brilliant, I don't care about Lewis Hamilton, uh, what, and then five seconds later, oh, it wasn't his boyhood dream last year to go to Ferrari, was it? Or all the stuff that he wanted to say. I think, I, honestly, I, I've, I've said this, I've put this in so many columns. I, I hope he does, I, I, not this bit, but the next bit I'm going to say, I hope he does race until he's 50 because Formula One is such a better place with Fernando Alonso in it. For me, I have to say, Alex, when I was interviewing John Noble about the, the Vegas launch, he had to look through his notes to who the, the rappers were because he couldn't quite remember their names. And that, for me, is one of the, the best moments I've seen. You know, John Noble just trying to grapple with the names. He got them and he got them. I can't remember their names, so I can't even, you know. What was it? Kendrick Lamar? Kendrick Lamar, yeah. Right. And, he, and, and I thought, hmm. And it was just quite funny to, to have, you know, John Noble just trying to scrabble for the name of Kendrick Lamar. It just made me chuckle a fair bit because, you know, these are people that presumably John Noble doesn't listen to on a daily basis. He might do. But I, I can't imagine that's what he tunes into when he gets in his car on a Thursday morning. I, I'm definitely not listening to him. I'm currently, currently re-listening to the Hamilton soundtrack because I saw that for the first time a few weeks ago. So there we go. Lovely stuff. Lovely. Matt? I was going to say, I think, I think my moment is actually probably the Red Bull launch just because a room of, let's not say the invited guests, but of the media, you know, if there were 50 of us, it, us all instantly turning into psychiatrists and body language experts. One... Because, you know, basically see how Horner reacts, his first high-profile public outing, see what he would say, do, how he looked. And also, you know, it's it's a, we know we know there's a bit of tension in that technical team between Adrian Newey and Pierre Vacher. So who does the most work? Who actually gets the credit for that? And them being, you know, I thought a bit uncomfortable with each other on stage. I just found that amusing. So just reading people and how they interact with others at, at the Red Bull launch, that was that was a good dynamic. 
poor JBL didn't get to go to any launches. He's only got things, you know, that he's heard through hearsay or that he's read. Uh, I don't mind that. I've done my first show of launches before, so it's just been nice to uh, to relax a little bit. Not that any of it has been relaxing at all. Um, honestly, nothing stood out to me. It's not like... Um, when was it 2011 when the hrt was was released to the world and team principal colin collis said well it looks like a formula one car um we've not had any of that um so from pure humor factor uh, i don't think i have anything but i i was quite again uh, i found it quite amusing that um the mclaren boys took aim at red bull for having their car leaked online before it was even launched uh piastri sort of stuck a foot in with, with with that and uh talking in his sort of very deadpan australian uh humor so that was that was quite amusing but yeah it's been nothing nothing stand out nothing ridiculous it's all been very low-key softly softly um I, I enjoy i enjoy ferrari trying to to say we're not gonna fred fred's gonna talk now and then he's gonna say something about lewis hamilton and then you may not ask any questions about lewis hamilton and then the first one immediately was a question about lewis hamilton which he then answered so yeah well, you know, it's nice that he even bothered. Actually, I, I thought Lewis Hamilton's wordings, uh, what he was, wordings, that's an interesting way of saying it. What Lewis Hamilton said about, you know, how we and our and us and things like this with Mercedes and you know come halfway through the season, that's he's still going to be saying it, but he's not privy to any of the conversations from a certain point of the year. So, you know, there is going to be a change in, in dynamic within that team. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. And you guys will be across it, of course. Now, before we wrap this up, we are now fast approaching testing, as we know, next week. What are you all looking forward to the most this season? Out of anything, I'm going to start with you. No time to think. Matt, I was going to start with JBL, but he will be, I know he'll take a time to think. So, <laughs> Matt. Not staying at the Kmore Hotel uh, rooms and suites. Uh, 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 Wait, that's what, I, that's where I'm staying? In, Jed, in Jeddah? Oh, what, what was the one? What was the oh, you, you mean the Bahrain, Bahrain one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You were upset about that, weren't you? Yeah. I think... Uh, Going going trackside at testing is sort of feels particularly special because you you effectively have the venue to yourself if you go to the right corner and you're willing to to walk away a bit. You know you are more than ever trying to sort of microanalyze to see what's going on because the reality is you know by the time you get to race twenty twenty one. You know the the cars are the cars are set in stone, but here's there's a genuine bit of jeopardy. Are, are there early early indications? And it is yeah, it's it's a sort of you know F1 can be incredibly tough to cover. I know it seems like a life of luxury. It can be incredibly tough to cover. So that is that is an un, uh, undoubted privilege is basically having a track to yourself, watching these cars get up and close and personal. And okay, there's been a bit of proliferation of the you know coverage of everything with Sky now being there and having rolling coverage and I'm sure that's that's good for some people but it does feel ever so slightly sort of behind closed doors and, and that shrouded in secrecy and that you might spot something before other people it, you know it very rarely happens but that it does it just sort of it feels a bit naughty to be there almost like you, you've snuck in under the radar and I, I like that <laughs> I don't know what that says about me but I like the sense of feeling naughty could we just use that as a quote for this entire podcast where just where Matt Q says I like being naughty or the feeling of being naughty just have that as the only soundbite for the entire thing JBL I've given you a moment to think now so what are you looking forward to the most uh this season generally um i think i'm looking forward to to to, to go into the australian grand prix um because i think that's the first one i ever remember watching my dad waking me up early when i was five or six and throwing me in front of the tv and watching you know michael schumacher and eddie irvine and pines harold Frentzen and all of that caliber of driver uh McCacken, obviously so so that would be quite a cool experience um I think generally this season, I'm just looking forward to, and, and it's, a, it's a bit of a nebulous concept because we don't know whether it will happen or not, but just something a little bit more exciting, I think. And, and I think, you know, we've kind of touched upon the idea of converging cars and converging philosophies, and hopefully a lot more teams will have a chance to, to win. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I don't know whether that'll happen, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we see a few different drivers in top positions and yeah, just looking forward to to getting going again. And as as, as Matt said, um, having a little bit of time trackside because that's one of the sort of joys of our job. Just FP one, leave the report with somebody else, and just stand there and kind of luxuriate, I guess, in watching 
20 of the world's best drivers sort of tentatively make their way around a circuit it's genuinely quite liberating yeah 20 no more 20 that's the maximum alex uh yeah i think uh for me it's another it's another first race uh to go to i've, I've been doing formula one been formula one correspondent for um this is my, my fifth season but obviously because of the pandemic and and the way we split up uh travel in terms of it used to be matt and i now it's me and jbl it's one goes one comes home so he'll stay out of the test for bahrain as we've discovered and then and as we've covered already and then um he'll come home and i'll go to saudi arabia but yeah i'm um, so basically because of all of that i haven't yet done the japanese grand prix and i'm really looking forward to that because again like jbl said that's sort of bucket list stuff that's like you know you remember getting up at 4am when Michael Schumacher was about to stall on the grid in, in 97 and he's like, oh, I was absolutely devastated by that massive Ferrari fan when I was little um but yeah so yeah li- little li- little things like that 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 um well actually considering he's going to Japan it's quite a big thing um and again just the, the track side just standing at some really really famous corners that I've already always always wanted to see and, and are so familiar from TV so that's that's what I am personally most looking forward to this year well it all sounds like you're in a positive frame of mind which is great and we can't wait to see what happens in testing next time look gents thank you so much for me i'm hoping that we're just going to see a gap close between red bull and the others this season and maybe even look forward to a different champion come 2025 i think maybe it's a nail on for red bull this year but we'll have to wait and see but listen chaps thank you so much for all your time in this lengthy podcast you know taking the time to talk all things uh, formula one as you mentioned next week is pre-season testing so make sure you check back with us as these guys the three musketeers are going to be uncovering all the news that you need to know so thanks once again for listening we'll catch you on the next one sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.